Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Back to You. I'm Catherine Tappen, joined by Darren Pang and Craig Conley. And we've got Cody Merrow producing the magic behind the scenes. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah, great to be with you too, KT. And especially after a, a great first episode and having mm-hmm. John Hamm and uh, and now such an important part of uh, of the sports uh, season, basically. So uh, besides me just playing golf all the time, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a good time for sure. Huh? A niner? Oh, I love it. Uh, Panger's on the on his golf tour coming out west here doing his broadcasting. But, yeah, coming on the on the wheels of uh, John Hamm. And what a great sports fan he is. And we're looking forward to uh, to our episode today, KT. Yeah, we are. We've got Cole Hamels coming on. So we'll get to that in just a few moments. Of course, super excited to talk to him about the um, World Series. And, you know, it kind of gets me thinking, guys, when I watch, you know, I haven't covered baseball in a long time, but the years I did back in my days on Nesson, it was always the Red Sox World Series. And they won two of them while I was there. And it was just such a thrill. Um, I've always loved postseason baseball as a little girl watching. I was a Yankee fan growing up, but watching all the games and, and then being, you know, having an opportunity to cover the World Series in Boston was just amazing. And the, the duck boat parade afterwards, just really <laughs> cool. But, you know, we have a chance to cover so many different sporting events like this. And it comes to mind, World Series, the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final. When you're going back to back, city to city in a best of seven game series, it's so much fun. It's like a traveling circus with all your media friends, <laughs> and your, your colleagues. But it's also like the anticipation of, okay, if we've already gotten to game three and it's one, one, like we know we're going to five and like all the numbers and everything that comes into play. It's really fun. I love it. Yeah, me too. I, I I just think when you're in it, you're in it, and you're you're you know it's it's fully ingrained in your memory. Every play that happened, you you can recall it in a, in a moment's notice. Unlike you know, let's say in the NHL, October, November, December, you're still kind of getting a, a feel for teams and players and yeah. and the way that they play. But you know, doing for me, I, I, I have never covered the the sports that you've covered, KT. But uh, you know, uh, whether it's doing Olympics and getting right to the gold medal game or or doing a, a Stanley Cup final. Um, I, I get really fired up about it because you're just, you're, I don't know, you're just, you're so dug in and then, and then you're around, you're right about that. When you're around everybody and you're hot stove and you're in the, you're in the, you know, you're in the bar, you're having some, you're, you're having some fun, you're meeting out for dinner and then you're like, where are we going to dinner tonight? You know, yeah, you're you're waiting to see which guys aren't in first class and they got to go to the back and they're in the middle (laughs) seat in 32 F. Sorry, Niner, that would be you. (laughs) Sorry, That was me back then too. Every time I'd get on the plane, I'd have to walk past Panger in first class, go to my coach seat. Oh, and Levy too. Oh, don't worry. Levy had his nice little seat there as well. He Uh did. Steve Levy did as well. And then uh, when we get to the city, I just made him buy me a couple glasses of red and we made up for it. (laughs) (laughs) So what's it like, KT, like Major League Baseball? Because I I mean, I've never covered the sport and it's not like I grew up a a big baseball guy. I went to Jerry Park, Mm -hmm. which was where the Montreal Expos played. I think they just finally tore it down uh, before they went to uh, Olympic Stadium. And uh, and that's really you know, kind of the extent of my youthful knowledge other than playing Little League for a couple of years. I just remember these guys are superstars. So when you are on the road and you're covering the World Series or you're at Fenway Park and you're doing a pregame show, I mean, the entire city is eat, sleeping, breathing this championship. And it's, of course, when the first time the Red Sox won it was the first time in a long, long time back in 2005, um, 2006, they dropped the banner and the home opener against the Yankees. And I was up there for that. But I just remember, you know, the vibe and like, can we get it done? You know, these fans had been waiting for this an entire lifetime. So um, there was that buzz back when I covered the World Series for the Red Sox. But I just think in general, you know, 
watching the reaction when these guys are leaving their hotel and you know you follow the the cameras have them from the second they enter the ballpark or the stadium or wherever it may be until the time that you know final out is called and they get back and the fans are nuts and they're superstars and it's just fun to cover and it's they're at their height of their game you know you see the best performances in the world during this oh, time man. of year um man, postseason they, of any sport so they, they could it's catch awesome. a they could catch a pee through fog. Some of the catches yeah. that get made, they're they're like just obviously incredible athleticism. But I'm always into the short stuff, the third base, the second base, catching something that there's no way in the world that they should be able right. to catch. Being a goaltender, that's that always really intrigued me. Um, I got I got to be you know in St. Louis when uh, when David Freeze, the local boy. I mean yeah. that that was a kind of a cool moment for me because I was new to St. Louis and and not. Yep. I don't don't live and breathe baseball. I don't have a, a love of any particular team. And then I got there to St. Louis and saw what David Freeze did under pressure, a hometown boy. And I was like, whoa, this is something else here. You, you can't help but just get swept up in it all. You know, I was always uh, uh, maybe the opposite of, of national television's thoughts when it comes to the playoffs. And, and, and oh, it's got to be this market against that market. It's got to be this market. It's got to be right, major right. markets. And everybody, for good reason, because ratings, you know, ratings drive everything. But I was mm -hmm. of the opposite. And KT, I was more like, everybody's got a picture of the Stanley Cup in their locker room. And wh why don't yep. we uh, applaud them more and give them so much more credit? And maybe they're not the biggest market. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't have the fan base of, of some of the original six teams or, or, or other yeah. cities. But, man, that is it's the best story. But then in saying all that, though, then it has to be a compelling series for me. Like, mm -hmm. for example, right. la last year in the Stanley Cup final, you, you've got the Florida Panthers, an unbelievable story, beating Boston in game seven in Boston and then mm -hmm. riding, you know, riding the wave and getting the final. But it was not a compelling Stanley Cup final. And that to me, it needed to be if there's no real yeah. um, right. animosity or history between the two teams. So. Uh, that's the one thing you watch for in those in those kind of uh, in this kind of series, including the World you Series. A this is brawl, a good little uh, bench clearing brawl or a pitcher pitcher, yeah. uh, you know, ding him a little bit on the arm. I don't know, get little, the juices going between the little uh, tar on the bat, maybe. Maybe we. There yeah, you go. That's huh? great. Well, I can't wait to talk to Cole. So, uh, without further ado, I am so excited to introduce our next guest. He is a World Series champion, World Series MVP, and I can't wait to talk to him about his days in the Class A Lakewood Blue Claws team. Whoa. So, here we have it, guys, Cole Hamels. And there he is, Cole Hamels, a World Series champ, World Series MVP, joining us here on the Back to You podcast. Good to see you, Cole. It's good to see all you guys. Thanks for coming on. I know you've been busy lately and, um, you know, watching watching these series unfold. Also, you were in Philadelphia doing some work and hoping things would go a little later there. But just just tell us a little bit what you've been up to lately. Yeah, really just trying to follow baseball on a completely different uh, avenue now with, you know, being a fan, actually. Um, you know, that's uh, kind of been something that's been great is, you know, to actually sit in the stands uh, and really kind of absorb what the playoff atmosphere really means uh, without the uh, the nerves uh, uh, when you're having to play it. So, you know, just being able to I have kids, so I've been able to kind of take them to some games and, and just really trying to, you know, be with them and be a part of, uh, you know, the whole atmosphere of, of you know, the cities in, in Arlington and, and obviously in Philadelphia where I've played. So it's been great to kind of see those two teams and cities, uh, you know, advance so far, and especially the Rangers, uh, you know, with how special they have been around for so long and, and not had a championship. So, you know, hopefully they're able to uh, pull this one out. Cool. That must be pretty cool, though, being with your kids and watching a game. How are you able to kind of separate the energy, the excitement and all the fans that maybe want a piece of you at the same time? 
No, it, 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 it's actually been quite nice. Um, you know, Philly's kind of a different story. So, you know, they've done very uh, well with, with keeping me in, a, in different situations or just areas where it's more protective and, and you're around kind of, uh, you know, similar guys so that we kind of can uh, deal with it together. Uh, you know, the thing with Arlington, you know, the new stadium, that was, you know, something, uh, you know, for me to be a part of, you know, the other stadium and how nice that was. And now to, you know, see what they've done um, with the new Globe Life, uh, it's kind of more new for me. So even I don't know where to go, but I think the fans are more shocked that I'm even there. Uh, so that I don't <laughs> think they really recognize me. Um, you know, my kids, are they've just been really good with it. Um, I think just to be able to sit and enjoy a ball game with them and for them to ask me questions and for me to kind of be able to explain it firsthand, um, you know, it's how I grew up with my parents and, and my dad at a ball game. So it just kind of brings back some really good full circle memories. Cole, Cole along those lines, what were some of the favorite ballparks that you would pitch in, even as an opposing player? Yeah. You know, what were some of the places that you had circled on your calendar? Like, I can't wait to go there and play in that stadium or in that city with I that think, family. You know, being from the West Coast, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to. You know, there's just that sort of, um, you know, atmosphere and the weather. Uh, but then you do have the historical type venues of Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. So, you know, those are something that were quite special. Uh, and then being a Philadelphia Philly, I mean, they do have one of the best ballparks and the best atmospheres as a player, home or or visiting to really experience. So they're, they're saying something right there is, is knowing that what we're doing is to try to entertain. Uh, and when you play in an, a, a venue that people are there to really watch what you're doing, uh, that's, that's a special moment right there. It just kind of gives you that extra energy boost to, to go out and uh, do something that we love. Cole, when you went back to, to Philly just recently, uh, we've got a little birdie that told me a couple stories in Philly. Uh, Philadelphia fans are so passionate. And when you came back to the Phillies games, um, you know, they, they took you in as if you were still part of the team. Tell us a little bit about the fans in Philly and how they treated you back then and now. No, it's 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 hard to describe. I think, uh, you know, they because of their passion, um, you know, their expectations, um, you know, they, they want the best out of you every single day, uh, sometimes almost in a, uh, a non-human, uh, you know, type of uh, element. But, you know, they really they just want to see winning and, and they want to win. And so if you're able to do that, uh, I mean, you're you're forever theirs and you're also it's just the gratitude that they give you for doing something that you know they they wanted and they expected and and when you deliver uh i mean you you can do no wrong after and so i think that's what i've noticed is going back uh not playing for them anymore and and obviously now retired is they still show that appreciation and it is loud i mean it is such a cool feeling to be able to see that knowing that i made a difference and did something you know for them that they remember that they want to celebrate and uh you know let you know about it well when cole when when and in Catherine tappan uh introduced you as a you know, World Series champ and, and MVP. Does that still seem surreal to you uh, as you're going through it as a, as a former player now? It does. Uh, I think after I got it so young in my career that it sometimes then it becomes the expectation of this is just going to be what's going to happen every year. And, it, and it's this easy. Uh, and then you do. I, I think I went, you know, the next 10 
12 years, the rest of my career, we never won. And, you know, it was so difficult to get back to the postseason and, you know, it's so difficult to get back to the World Series. And now you have even more uh, stages to kind of get through uh, with, you know, a longer wild card and, you know, to still have the NLDS and, and the, or the ALDS and the NLCS, you know, the championship series to finally get to the World Series. And then you've got to finally win there. I mean, that's a long month. I know other sports have two months. But in baseball, after playing, you know, 162 games, uh, obviously uh, probably 30 games in spring training, it's a grind. Uh, so everything has to go right. People have to stay healthy. Uh, you have to have, you know, the, the good breaks have to go your way. Uh, you have to have some sort of luck. Um, and, you know, it's, that's the, the part is when you then actually do win, you kind of then realize how special it is and you, you do cherish it. So along those lines, Cole, when you're watching this World Series, you've got Texas and Arizona, you know, the game is different than when you played even just as recently as when you retired. What stands out to you about why these two teams are where they're at at this point in the season? No, it's and it's the way I look at it is it's almost two different styles of teams, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you've got a, a more kind of middle of the pack sort of team is in Texas where they, they really do rely on the big home run. Um, you know, they do have some, some good hitters, but they have to rely on that big home run to get the, the uh, momentum back. And then you have a team like the diamondbacks that are so young, uh, fresh. I mean, these guys are stealing bases faster than I've ever seen. Uh, and, and more frequently, uh, and they get hits and they just constantly put the pressure. I mean, they, it's one through nine in that lineup. They they're not they can still get the home run, but they're they're trying to just keep the uh, the ball rolling. Um, you know the the keeping guys fast on the base pass. They put a lot of pressure on a pitcher. Um, you know sometimes it just depends on your style uh, of pitching of of what type of lineup you'd want to face. Um, I think the Diamondbacks lineup is not the lineup I'd want to face. I would be more inclined to wanting to face the the uh, uh, Rangers lineup. But then you have to look at the pitching. And, you know, they have some stud pitchers on both sides. Uh, and, you know, both bullpens. I mean, they got the guys that they throw, you know, so hard out of the bullpen now. Um, it's not easy on hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's just they, they match up really well in just a unique, different way. Cole, I'm going to jump in because I'm I'm not okay. just one one second niner because I'm going to forget what I was going to ask. So I, I got to jump in there, Cole. Sorry, an old goalie. <laughs> I'm an old goalie, and my memory kind of fades in and out. Uh, but do you think is it a, is it a, a a direct result of analytics for for Arizona in the way that they play, or is that just the personnel that they have, or just the philosophy of the manager? Um, I I think it's you know has to go because they're so young. Um, you know, I think they looked at is is trying to get very fast you know, very defensive oriented. And I think then also some other things came about from the analytics that I don't think they were anticipating. Uh, I mean, when you have guys, you know, Marte has an 18 game hitting streak, uh, you know, from a second baseman, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not what you're really uh, anticipating. And then you have a guy like Corbin. I mean, this guy, you know, he's going to win rookie of the year, uh, you, you know, as, and they have such other rookies that you don't, I think, think that they're going to be able to peak as quickly as they have so far in their career, uh, they're only going to get better. So I think that's why uh, they've been able to do so well. It, it was probably a lot of unexpected success. Uh, and then they all started to believe, and you do have right. to coaching staff. They've been able to really harness that and promote it. And, you know, they probably have really good mentors. I mean, Longoria, I mean, he's been around forever. He's a tremendous mentor. Uh, so I think he's doing, you know, a really good job of those guys. And, and that's, you now get to see them in the world series one, one. 
Hey, you just touched on it. I was going to piggyback on what Panger said. I mean, just as little as two years ago, both of these teams had over 100 losses. And now they're in the World Series two years later. So what do you look at? Is it scouting? Is it managing? Is it signing free agents? Is it just coming up through the system? Things like that. I mean, what, what do you attribute it to? I, I think Arizona's done a, a really good job with how their philosophy is in building uh, guys through the system. Um, and then just, be, you know, signing the key free agent veterans that can help, uh, you know, motivate and, you know, get their the younger guys performance better. And then you look at Texas, the way that Texas has done well is they, they've been trying to build something and they've been doing it through the free agent market. I don't think they anticipated to be where they were this quickly. Um, I know it was probably the goal, but I really do think t- Texas is built for, you know, next season and, and the, the season following. Yeah. So I think they're they're getting some really good uh, success out of guys that they might not have uh, anticipated also as being successful rookies like they have. Cole, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I'm a huge baseball fan dating back to days when I was a kid. Um, we've talked about it yeah. earlier, diehard Yankees fan and played baseball myself. I was taught the proper way to put my stirrups on, you know, inside <laughs> out and then pull them up, make sure they're nice and high and tight. Love the game, <laughs> covered it for a long time in England with the Red Sox. I haven't, you know, covered it professionally, but I've attended the games personally. And this year with the changes that were implemented, I went to my first game at Yankee Stadium and could not believe that I was out of the ballpark by like 9.30 <laughs> for a Yankee game. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on some of those rule changes in particular as a pitcher, um, the pitch count and the pitch clock, rather, I shouldn't say the count, but the pitch clock, and, you know, something as simple as the bases, increasing the size of that, what that's done to the game. So uh, I guess we'll start with the pitch clock and what you thought of some of these changes. I, I've i looked at it, and I think it's been, you know, for myself, a starting pitcher's dream. Um, when you only play about 35 games in a 162-game uh, you know, season, we've got to sit and watch a lot of baseball, too. So <laughs> when you a four-hour game and we're going to be out within two and a half hours, I mean, that right there is <laughs> Well, that's um, that's a win. It really is. Uh, we um, as starters, we used to have competitions between us of how fast we get get the game over. And um, <laughs> guys like Roy Holiday and Cliff Lee and, and, and Oswald. I mean, we literally were trying to beat each other's times for game time. Um, awesome. and, you know, we're all patting each other on the back when it was successful because we all helped each other. Um, I think making the game faster is more entertaining. And as a starter, I didn't mind going quick. Uh, you know, that's that's the that really shows how much you're paying attention and studying before the game so that when you're in these big moments and it starts to speed up on you, you can outthink the other guy quicker. Uh, and that's kind of what I always wanted to do. I wanted the hitter to I wanted to rush him uh, because I felt like I was more prepared and I was already always thinking about two to three to four pitches ahead of time sometimes so that I was trying to get you to just speed up and make mistakes. Uh, And that was something that I really felt like I, I trained myself those four days, you know, not only with studying, but also in the endurance of trying to go quick. Mm -hmm. That's what all the goal scorers did to me, Cole, when I was playing in net for the Blackhawks, they hurried. <laughs> see what happened was Cole. They hurried me up, and then I wasn't quite set for it. And and that's a great strategy. Good for you. It really does work, and that's where you really have to. I think, yeah, the faster you can get guys to yep. to get out of their rhythm, um, and like we always said, anybody, anytime you want to calm yourself down, you've got to breathe. You've got to step off. You know, you've got to take a moment. Well, now we're at at a point where 
the the more the more advanced you are in in the in your prep, you're going to uh, you know kind of screw up the other guys because now we're not really necessarily allowed to do that as much. So, how many hours does it take you to play a round of golf then? Oh man, I'd love to be able to do it in three hours. <laughs> 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 I want to play eighteen holes in three hours. I, I actually like that. I don't want to remember my bad shots. That's <laughs> right. Panger, great segue. So, Cole, I'm going to take you back a couple of years when you're uh, out here in Scottsdale with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Spring training. I mean, you've had some incredible feats in your life. Obviously, I'm not going to say it was one of the best 24 hours of your life, but <laughs> I think there was a little round at Scottsdale uh, at Silverleaf that we were in, in Scottsdale here. And then the next day you were pitching. Why don't you take us through what I'm talking about real quick? No, it was pretty funny. I mean, just to be able to play, obviously, at Silverleaf, one of the best courses you know I've been able to play at. And with the guys that I was playing with, with Lester and Rizzo and, and Hap and, oh, gosh, who else was there? Um, we had, I, we, I think we had a sixth or a seventh some playing at Silverleaf that day. And nice. I believe it was uh, the fifth hole. It was a par three. And yeah. it was about 196 yards. And, and I hit a six iron and just kind of flushed it, but it had a nice little draw, but the way that it lined up where the flag stick was, mm-hmm. it hit and then just started rolling and then we didn't see it. And so, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's going to be in the hole. And we're like, we don't have a clue where that ball was going to go. <laughs> um, and as we get closer and closer, it's in the cup. And nice. you know, Rizzo is, that's in, you know, it's my first hole in one. That is so uh, cool. To do it with those groups of guys too was was even more special because then they know I, I was telling the truth when I say I got a hole. In one. <laughs> I, I, I videoed. I from the time he got off the tee box, I was in his cart with him. He was driving, and I was videoing him the whole way, all the way. We're like, "Where's the ball?" And he yeah. walked up the hole. Sure enough, so we have the video. We'll throw it in here in a little bit. But that's uh, great. Fast forward, we Panger KT. We tried to get him. Hey. Get the private jet. It's two miles away. Let's go to Vegas. You have to do it, right? I was saying, I want to know. I wanted to know well, how expensive the bar bill was after that, because knowing well, the guys you were playing with, the fact that you had a hole in one. No, that's funny because um, I had to pitch the next day, so that's what oh. led. Me. I can't really drink. This is my last spring training start, and we're flying out to go to Chicago to start the season, and. You know, so I, I'm hitting and I, you know, I'm playing in a game and my first at bat, I hit a home run. And everybody's like, are you kidding me? I mean, pitchers don't he gets a whole run and a home run back to back days. Are you kidding nope. me? Unreal. I hope you bought a lottery ticket after that. No, it was. I was like, this is going to be a great season. So, I mean, we, but everybody else is like, let's go to Vegas first. They will never know. We can beat the plane yeah. back to Chicago. I was like, no, we cannot do that. <laughs> uh, like, we, we were trying so hard paying. We're like, come on, come on. And I actually went to the game the next day as well. And when he yep. hit that home run, I'm like, like you got to get to the lottery store. ASAP. <laughs> it was unbelievable. What, what no, year was, was that? It was pretty- that was uh, in 19. 19? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Are you 19. a left-handed golfer, Cole? I know you're I am. obviously – you are, huh? If you were to play hockey, would you be left-handed or right-handed? Uh, left-handed, yeah. Do it too. You know, there's an amazing oh, amount of left-handed golfers that play right-hand. I mean, left-handed hockey players that play right-handed is is it's an incredible. And I don't know how they do it. No, mm-hmm. I don't. But I do enjoy playing with with hockey players just because they do make golf look easy. Just because they're able to keep that you know that same sort of uh, swing shot. Um, it is funny to play with them, and then they are super competitive. So that's always the best. <laughs> is when you're playing with hockey players, the trash talk is you know another. Yeah. And just this year, earlier this year, we were at Scottsdale National, and this guy had another round of his life. I don't even remember what, like, 
you were some astronomical number through like he closed us out by like whole 12 and then yeah, come on. he already took our money. Yeah. Uh, once I took the money, then I was like, all right, I'll go back to being myself. And I just, what, what was that five <laughs> yeah, or six then, whole run that you had? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Are you playing a lot more golf now, Cole, now that you're retired? Are you finding that you have more time to commit to the game? I do. And I think that's the one thing that I'm really trying to be consistent with. If I could play once a week, it kind of keeps me mentally kind of sane as I kind of try to figure out this new chapter. Um, just to kind of keep the competitiveness and, and just, you know, moving and, and, you know, something to look forward to during the week. Otherwise, it has been very interesting to not have, uh, you know, a schedule sort of like deadlines that I have to work towards and, you know, have to create results. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, you know, golf has kind of been that sort of avenue that I'm escaping to and really enjoying. I so would love to elaborate on that more because, you know, we love the conversation about and I mean, we all have been around athletes. You guys are athletes, Panger and, and Cole and, um, you know, the retirement situation and, and when or when it happens for athletes, it's always at different times. Certain sports have more longevity than others. But no matter what, there is a massive void when the game ends and when you got to hang them up. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, you meant you talk about the mental aspect of golf helping you. But what other things have you done to try and find, you know, nothing's going to simulate a, a World Series championship. Nothing's going to simulate getting on the mound in Philadelphia and pitching a game and having those fans scream your name. So knowing that, how are you accepting this next phase of your life and, and dealing with it? It's um, I mean. First off, hanging out in Home Depot isn't that fun. <laughs> you know, go to Home Depot, it's like three trips in one day, and I've definitely Ooh. followed suit. Typical guy of thinking I can do stuff around the house. So, you know, I find myself in Home Depot a lot. Um, not too proud of it, but at the same time, it's 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 just having something to, you know, when, when I wake up, I you know have a post-it or, or a to-do list that I need to like I want to complete. Um, the hardest part about it is, you know, I'll put. 10 to 15 items on a, on a to-do list. And I think I can get that accomplished in one day. And that's so not the case. So learning how to actually do that sort of part, but um, you know, I do have kids, so, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to uh, you know, go and, and be a part of that life uh, a lot more because I did miss a lot of, of uh, them growing up. So, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, you know, be there for them. And, and a lot of it is, you know, being able to see a lot of the friends and family that supported me through the 20 years of my career that I could not, you know, be around them all the time. I mean, they were the ones showing up to my games. They would fly to a city. You know, I couldn't really spend a lot of time with them, but just to, to show them how thankful uh, of their support and their love uh, during my journey of my career. And so I'm really trying to now visit them and spend time with them. And I think I've really enjoyed that. And so that's something, uh, you know, taking vacations. I'm now looking forward to some of these vacations that I can take in the spring and the summer and the fall that I could never do. Mm -hmm. Man, you that's sound awesome. like such a sweet guy. Man, oh, man. <laughs> Very thoughtful, very analytical. You know, I, I, I would suggest one thing that playing golf once a week is not enough. You got, you probably have to play a little bit more. Than that. And, and number two, and Niner, you know, Weston Weber at Celebrity Greens. I just had my green done at the, uh, Michigan at my lake house. You got to get that so you can chip and putt and, and the kids are still there and you can get them putting as well. That's, that's my two thoughts for you. That's all I've got for you, Cole. Oh, man. I like that. That was and come yeah, watch yeah, hockey games. Myself. No, I did. Okay, so I am going to start. But no, the first gift I got myself is I went to the Scotty Cameron store and I got fitted for a putter. And I've nice. always got a putter and I finally got one. It was, the, it was the coolest little experience that I've had. And there was my first retirement gift to myself. 
Which one well, did you get? We're actually we're actually trying to plan a trip. Obviously, you know Cole's great friends with Rick Tockett and you know colleague of your guys uh, KT and Panger and and Tock's been trying to get him up to Vancouver and, yep. and see him on a road trip and maybe we catch oh. him down south and do a little golf trip around it too. But uh, Cole, well, you know you've got KT and Panger right here on the show and you and I have you know talked a little bit about you know man. Man, is he handsome? He speaks well. What, are, <laughs> what about a TV role? What about getting into uh, TV a little bit, Cole? I know. I, I think, uh, as you can see, I can be a little long-winded with my uh, answers. So I got to get up. I got to perfect okay. that a little bit because I mean, no, no, you with, don't. You get you know, keep going that way. Gonna, it's a it's well, an analyst world out there, Cole. Okay, <laughs> stay that way. Kanger okay? doesn't shut up, and he has a job still on uh, national television. So I don't right, know. Go right, for so, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't mind that. I think um, I definitely would like to look into it. I, but like anything, I want to be good at it. I just don't want to do something just kind of part time and in and out. Um, you know, I've obviously worked a long time at, at, at baseball and, and trying to be very, you know, one of the best. Uh, so that insight and experience, I'd like to be able to, uh, you know, use it and, and, and get the fans to understand it and, and just being able to do it in, in as few words as possible. So everybody doesn't think that they can mute me. <laughs> well, tell you what, Cole, if you want to schedule, just follow Wayne Gretzky, the greatest of all time on TNT. Um, you know, more paid, less work, you know, with all right. those trophies that you have and awards and accolades, you can dictate when you want to be in there. So there, there you go. I'll, I'll I might be your agent. And a lot of golf. Wayne yeah. puts a lot of golf on his schedule. So I think that would work there you well go. for Cole. Panger, you mentioned it, all the accolades that Cole has had. And Cole, I'm just, I'm just fascinated at your start in baseball and the fact that, you know, right out of high school in San Diego, you end up getting drafted. You go to the minor leagues to Class A Lakewood Blue Claws. <laughs> and, you know, some highs and lows when you're a, what, 17, 18-year-old going to play with the big boys and living that life. You can't, you're not even 21 yet. Um, to, you know, to, to everything that you've accomplished. And I'm sure over time, you're going to have a chance to reflect on all of it. But in those early days, like what kind of growth, did, you know, growing pains and maybe some things you did that you wish you didn't, how did that help you as your career went on? I think anytime you go from the West Coast to the East Coast, that is a, a huge adjustment. Adjustment, And, you know, there, I was lucky enough that I had, uh, the Phillies were really good. They've, they got two college seniors uh, to kind of be my roommates. So they, those guys really kind of showed me the ropes and trying to take care of me, but also then kind of dragging me out to some fun areas to, uh, you know, <laughs> right. Um, but they protected me. So I think that was kind of the, the big brother role um, that they kind of prepped me uh, for what it's going to be like if I get to the big leagues and just those expectations and how to manage uh, a lifestyle of baseball, but also a lifestyle of being a human being. Um, so it is, yeah, I, I learned some, uh, you know, the do's and don'ts of, uh, you know, the bar fights and, you know, the people of, uh, to avoid. And um, it, it was good though, but I also did learn work ethic. And that was something that when you have the expectations of being a first rounder, um, you know, in the city of Philadelphia, you are the th the next person to come in line to help them win a World Series. You you are a big piece. Uh, that's what kind of the first rounder mentality is. And so I had to learn to kind of embrace that and what it took to be a a ace, a number one starter. Uh, and the buildup is in the minor leagues. So, you know, that was kind of what I was able to do. And, and uh, it was it was really fun to be able to see what sports means to the East coast, uh, the minor league, uh, the historical minor league ballparks there and traveling around on bus rides. Um, 
I enjoyed a lot of those times, even though you can kind of look back and go, you enjoyed a 14 hour bus ride. And I'm like, I kind of did. You know, I was with a group of guys <laughs> and go, we, we, we enjoyed it together. That's awesome. Did you ever play the Bowie Bay Sox? I'm curious. This is like totally left field. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I know Bowie. Um, I did okay. not play against them in Bowie. So I, I must have, the way the road trip hit, I didn't uh, attend Bowie. Um, I think by then I was, gosh, I think I got sent up to high ice. All of a sudden back, I was back in like Clearwater. So yeah. I bounced around a lot. I didn't really last full seasons in the minors, which I guess was a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, but I did miss. It turned out okay for you. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess so. <laughs> going, back the, going back to the diamond real quick what batter did you have like their number or who had your number oh so, um i mean there was there was three batters that had my number um miguel cabrera i mean hall of famer yeah you know that guy i was so glad when he got traded from miami to detroit because then i knew i didn't have to see him for a couple of years um and then uh cody ross and uh, Adam LaRoche. I mean, I would give up home runs to those guys. I mean, I, I just, there wasn't going to be a game I wasn't pitching that I wasn't going to give up a solo home run to one of those guys. So wow. I had to make sure, though, that we had some runs and the guys knew <laughs> I was like, I'm probably going to give up a solo to this guy. Um, and then batters that I had, um, it, it's really funny because I'm really good buddies with him, is Dan Ugla. And, you know, I play golf with Dan. I mean, he absolutely despised me. I mean, he, he tried to not be in the lineup. Uh, <laughs> literally. Tell me, because I think I struck him out two to three times a game. I mean, he was going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts almost every game I played against him. Wow. Um, oh. and he's one of the nicest guys, and he's hilarious now because we do joke about it. Uh, and he's good friend buddies with Cody Ross. So it's hilarious that I have these two guys that had the complete opposite results against me, and, and they're buddies, and they look at each other like, how? How did, how did you strike out? Well, 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 Cody, Cody owes you then because he's over here at Silverleaf and Whisper Rock both. So uh, next time you're in Scottsdale, hit him Yo up. Rounds. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been wondering how the draft works in, in Major League Baseball. So you went 17th overall. Did, were, were you just at home? Were, were you with your agent? Were you like, what happens? Because in hockey, I mean, most guys that are going in the first round, all the guys that are going in the first round, they're, they're there at the draft, at the venue. And I was just wondering what it'd be like for you picking up that phone or how it happened. Yeah, baseball is different. I know it's changed a little bit um, with trying to get first rounders to, um, you know, the MLB network and then to kind of have them in person. Uh, I was at home. I did have school that day. Uh, but, you know, the, the whole kind of the school knew I was going to get drafted. We had uh, three guys that were going to get drafted from my high school team uh, that year that wow. we were all pretty high picks. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, the news came, news came over. I had a bunch of family and friends, a bunch of kids skipped school that day, my buddies. Uh, and they were there. And you had to find out on the Internet. And you're waiting. It's almost like dial up. You're like, okay, refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> waiting for the the rounds to tick down. Um, and then all of a sudden, I got a phone call from my agent, and he goes, "Hey, uh, the Phillies just took you 17th overall." And then within a minute, the Phillies called to congratulate me. Uh, and then yeah, you don't go to school that day. We kind of celebrated. And my other buddy on my team was the fifth rounder to the Phillies, Jake Blaylock. Uh, his wow. older brother Hank Blaylock played for the Rangers for a while. Yeah. And then I had another guy that was a seventh rounder to Houston, um, Scott Robinson. And so, you know, we had we, our baseball team where I grew up in San Diego, we were number one in the country, uh, when I was in high school, it was fun to play baseball. <laughs> I guess it was. that's a great story around in San Diego too, which helped. Yep. Jeez. Number that one is in the country. Cool. And then on the weekends you get to go surf. Couldn't beat it. 
True. Yeah. Surfing and uh, beach volleyball. I was trying to work my skills at beach volleyball. I ended up not very good uh. at that sport. <laughs> Cole, Cole, this is a well, jealousy yeah. question. Hey, I'll, I, w- just one more for, for you, KT, and I'm sorry, and, and sorry to keep you, you're, you're, Cole, this has been phenomenal to, to learn so much about you and your history, but do, we can't carry golf clubs on the, on the, on the, on, on the flight. Do all pitchers bring clubs with them on every road trip? I think mostly pitchers. Uh, 90% of the road trips. <laughs> okay, I'm there's out. Cities, See, that's yeah, great. I that, know that, you're just not going to be able to play golf, and then there's other cities where, oh, we're playing a lot of golf. Like San Francisco, one of the best cities to, to play golf. Yeah. I mean, right around the hotel, I mean, you go to Olympic Club, you got San Fran Club, uh, gosh, or Cal Hardy. Club. Uh, yeah. And if we have a day off, we go to Napa. Uh, and nice. There. So San Francisco is so, Atlanta, one of the best. Yeah, if, so if I was six five, and, and, yeah, I mean, I could uh, catch a, a five foot four and a half bald goaltender. Probably couldn't have pitched anyway. <laughs> it probably wouldn't have worked, Cole. But man, that is my dream job right there, being a pitcher in Major League Baseball. Man, it was. I did. I. I that's why you know when you just ask, like, to reflect back and to just realize how incredibly blessed I was to be able to, to play something that I absolutely loved. I got to travel the United States and even, you know, even up into uh, Canada, um, would have loved to play in the Olympics. That would have been amazing, but to do something that, that I got to check a lot of boxes and now, you know, I, I feel comfortable in being able to explore a little bit more. I have, you know, so many friends all around that I can just touch base and, and stop in and reconnect with. Uh, very, very fortunate that, that I have that. And I'm, you know, just going to try to enjoy that now for the next uh, remainder of my life and, and uh, you know, and see obviously what I can do to bring back to the game too. That's awesome. Glad you have a great group around you as you enter this next phase in your life, Cole. Um, you, you always have your podcasting friends. If you ever want to come on the podcast, we're here ready and willing. If you've got a free day and you're not going to Home Depot um, or Facebook, <laughs> we would do that. <laughs> anytime, Cole, anytime. Yeah, yeah. but it's been great uh, having you, you on, Cole. Cole. Great catching up with you. And um, we wish you the best and we'll check in with you and make sure you're, you know, you're hanging in there. And if you want to ever come on again, we'd love to have you. No, no, I will. Thank you guys for having me. It really was a pleasure. Thank you. You guys, I could talk to Cole forever. I just think he has the best personality. He has so much to offer with regards to, I mean, playing the game. And, you know, he was a, a very bright young man coming out of high school um, and ends up playing in in the majors and is now transitioning to a new phase in life, which I'm always fascinated by um, the transition of professional athletes back to, you know, they're so young when they retire and they have a whole lifetime to live longer than their playing days, you hope. So um, I don't know. I, I, he was great. He was yeah. so much fun to talk to. You know, KT, it's no surprise after having that conversation on on our Back to You podcast that that uh, it's the ability, you know, to endear yourself to your teammates. It's your ability as a 17-year-old coming out of high school and and to go through the minors and enjoy the process. That that's what I got from him. And I'm I played three years in the minors. I I enjoyed it as well. Um, but I, I didn't go on to be a World Series MVP or a Stanley Cup champion or Consumite Trophy winner. He yeah. this guy just I I can you could feel a the the probably the the backing up from his teammates because of what kind of person he is and i think that's a good lesson for all these young athletes like numbers yep. stats a big arm a great athlete doesn't matter it's how you how you evolve as a person and blend in with everybody else and that that was a really impressive conversation i really enjoyed that i've got i've had the pleasure of knowing cole for for a good amount of years now and and the the one word that comes to mind is just humble 
the guys won everything that you could win. He was all-star pitcher, World Series winner, you know, the, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. When he goes out with you, he wants to know more about you. Tell me about you. Tell me about your family. What's going on in your life? And he's so enthralled with your conversation, animated, laughing, laid back. Just you're not going to meet a better guy in sports. You're you're just not. He's just uh, an amazing human being. I yeah, and a, and a hole in one with you too, and a hole in one with you, Niner. Yeah, wow. right. It was crazy. I mean, he literally, like he said, there was a hill in front of the pin, so you couldn't tell once it got over the hill where it went. So I said, you know what? Let's just start videoing for the time we That's got in great. the cart, and glad we did. Good and I'll run the next day. <laughs> right. I know. Panger, just getting back to what you said, though, I think it's so important when he talked about those days in the minor leagues. And here he is, a highly touted pitcher, number, you know, top first round draft pick for the Phillies, humongous sports market and baseball market in Philadelphia. But what he was able to get out of his system in the minors and great having those two mentors that he did. But it's something I always preach, especially in this day and age with the the immediacy of our society, right? Like I want to graduate college and I want to be on television today. Well, there's a reason there's a process in place, right? There's a reason you go to kindergarten before you go to first, second, third, fourth grade. You don't go kindergarten to fifth grade. Um, and I say it all the time, get those kinks out, pay your dues, um, make your mistakes when no one's watching. And I'm just talking about television, but Cole in his case, you know, got out some growing pains in the minors. You know, he was a kid being asked to play a, a big boy's game. So um, I just think it's important in general in life to go through the process, the proper steps to make yourself a pro, to make yourself a good person, uh, to learn from people above you that you really trust and you rely on. And, and he had that, he shared that example. And um, it's great that he had that foundation because when he did get the call, he was ready for it. Yeah, he also said something too that I think we all figure it out in life and the guys that don't or the girls that don't figure it out uh, usually end up paying the price a little later on and that is I basically I'll paraphrase but talking about the good people to be with and then mm -hmm. the bad people to be with and the bad people want you to drag you down that road of doing bad things and he yeah. he also figured that out early and figured out which was the guys what was that group that I could trust and and lead me to the next level so I mean so many so many mm -hmm. kids make that mistake and they probably don't at the time realize how fatal that could be or how bad that could be later on, but it, it is. And, and so, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, so um, I, I don't know the guy, he just, it's just, it's really, uh, it, it is really impressive. I mean, yeah, I'm, great uh, conversation or yeah. huge thanks you, to Cole Hamels for joining us. Um, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Loved having him on. Hopefully he'll come on again, but um, guys, it's time to transition to where Craig educates us on betting and, I want to start by revisiting who Panger picked to win the Heisman in our first episode of the Back to You podcast. So take a listen. You know, because me and college football are so we're rock solid, but I got J.J. McCarthy winning the Heisman. What do you think of that? All right, Panger. So we heard it. Episode one, you said J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, is your favorite to win the Heisman. Um, I'm going to tee it over to Niner here for a little bit more insight on where those odds are stacked now. Now, remember, mm -hmm. Michigan had the week off, so things are a little bit different. Um, Niner, can you explain exactly where these Heisman uh, odds are right now on this board? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Panger, I, I really like J.J. McCarthy, even though they had an off week. His numbers are still right where they need to be. As we know, when the season started, USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams, and Drake May over at North Carolina were the odds-on favorites. They have since fallen off. Obviously, Caleb Williams and USC still putting up numbers, but the team not doing as well. Well, who's mm -hmm. been surging up the rankings? J.J. McCarthy. He's been uh, the odds-on favorite. His completion percentage has been unbelievable. The team's doing unbelievable. Uh, we've got him currently at plus 240 on DraftKings. 
And, and currently the second person that we're liking right now is the Washington quarterback, which is Michael Penix Jr. at plus 320. So with that being said, and, and as each week goes by, there's not many weeks left in the college football season. So Panger, the key is, did you get your money in on J.J. McCarthy before his numbers are going down in the odds department? Well, that would be smart of me, but I'm, I'm just a, a former goaltender analyst. I'm just, I liked his hair. I think he's got great hair. And so, and he's from Illinois too. So I, I thought that. And, and, I got a lake house, and, and I got a lake house in Michigan. So I'm just trying to tie everything in. And this is Catherine, how I make my common sense like that. So uh, I don't know. After the win against Michigan State on what, on October 23rd, the, yeah. I think he was the big 10 offensive player of the week. After that, I just, mm-hmm. I just see a crescendo of confidence going up. Unlike my rookie year, when I entered in the NHL in 87, 88, I started like that and I kind of ended like that. So I was trying to look uh, at an athlete that wasn't going to end like I ended up in my rookie year. (laughs) Well, KT, before I get to you, obviously the Heisman always, the quarterbacks always get the most notoriety. There's, you know, the odds on favorite. You happen to have an up and close look at another candidate that you may want to put your money on right now. Tell us who that is. Yeah, and I don't see him very high up on these boards, which I think uh, could be a great bet to take if I were a betting person, but maybe I will be soon enough. Uh, I've had the chance to see up close and personal Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State's wide receiver. Um, You know, the last time a wide receiver won the Heisman was 1991. It was Desmond Howard with Michigan. So it's been a long time, to your point. The quarterbacks get all the accolades. Uh, We've seen other athletes win the Heisman before as well. But I think Marvin Harrison Jr., and I've heard this from – my colleague Todd Blackledge on the broadcast, and he knows better than anybody's best college football analyst there is, that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in college football, period. Agreed. I mean, he is a difference Agreed. maker, a game changer. He's playing for the top three team. Some could argue Ohio State should be two at this point or number one in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an incredible, he's a game changer. And his numbers mm-hmm. just keep going up and up. And his work ethic off the field only mean that he's going to get better as the season finishes here and we've got yeah i guess four five five more college football games to go but um that's my pick so yeah well if you were to pick marvin harrison jr today you're getting him at plus 1200 to one right now so if i was right. you, I'd run to that DraftKings sports book and put it in right away but oh. uh, nice i mean you can't go wrong with him i mean the gene pool between his father him everybody that you talk to uh, obviously you see him firsthand you've got the the inside track on that's the cheating. report etc but <laughs> KT, that's the, the, kid, the kid is legit and if you're going to go off away from a cheating. quarterback plus 1200 why not why not sprinkle a little bit all right mm. i like it can you place okay. that back for me Niner? hold on i'm i'm, I'm making a I switch can. i'm in a state <laughs> i'm in a state where it's legal and actually i'll just go on over to the DraftKings sportsbook that they just built here at the tpc scottsdale so let me put that in well, after you're hitting balls hey, or Niner, before you're you hitting explain, golf balls? Can you explain, because it goes to what Panger was saying, explain why, you know, anyone would bet on someone that isn't the favorite. This sure. line movement, like, what is that all about? Sure. So basically what we're talking about when we talk about line movement is when, when throughout the year, as after each game, whether it's NHL game day in and day out, we're so early in the season for the NHL, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to go up and down and fluctuate. But with college football, the Heisman race, everything's coming down to the wire here. So after each week, after each uh, team plays, and, and you look a couple weeks ago, let's take Michael Penix Jr., for example. He had a, he had a tough week uh, a couple weeks ago. The team struggled a little bit. He struggled a little bit. They should have been a, a, an easy win. But – after something like that, his odds are going to fall. And if J.J. McCarthy a couple weeks ago puts up unbelievable numbers, which he's been doing every year, 
the odds are going to adjust who's going to be the favorite to win the Heisman, whose odds are going to drop, who's coming up. And like we talked about, you know, uh, the, the two quarterbacks, Caleb Williams at USC, I mean, everyone's raving that he's going to be the number one NFL pick overall. But mm-hmm. if you look at it, you know, his numbers haven't been great lately. And, and that's based on the team, unfortunately, you know, and the team's not doing well. So therefore, you know, when each team moves forward and has a great week, the odds are going to fluctuate. And therefore, you have to tell yourself, should I wait? Maybe yeah. Caleb Williams finishes strong. Maybe I put him in now. You know, his odds are have dropped. And if he's still going to be a number one pick in the draft, he's probably going to be a top three Heisman finalist. Maybe now's a good time to put it in with his odds higher. Or do you go with the odds on favorite? And do you think J.J. McCarthy and Michigan are going to sweep the board the rest of the year? Maybe you put money on him and you're still getting him at plus money. You know, he was at a plus thousand. Now he's only a plus 240. Mm-hmm. So with yep. Michigan doing well, obviously we know they've got Ohio State on, on their calendar coming up in a few weeks. Yep. November 25. Uh, they've, they've got Penn State <laughs> Do you have that one, KT? Hey. Are you there for that one? We do Catherine? not have that game. It's a day, it's a it's an afternoon game. I will be doing mm-hmm. the night game the night before, but uh right. certainly we'll be looking at that game. And unfortunately, um with the new package, I think that game will be uh on a different network. So gotcha. but I'll be watching. Gotcha. Well, uh, you know, getting back to you, Panger, and I know JJ McCarthy's your pick. I'm telling you right now, Michigan will beat Ohio State. I okay. believe it is in the big house. It's very confident. Uh, yes. Michigan. And yep. after JJ McCarthy and Michigan beats Ohio State, his odds are going to drop even more. So if you are comfortable and that's your guy, I'd put him in now because at plus two forty, you're still getting two and a half to one. Oh, I put him in Ohio two weeks State, ago. You guys, I'm 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 slicker than you it's think. Are you kidding me? That's good. After so Ohio State, he's only be plus one hundred, one twenty. So I got to pay for my Mira clubs, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> The important things. Good insight. All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes on the Heisman race as well as uh, I know we talked uh, Calder Trophy candidates and it's only, what, two weeks into the NHL season, but it's never too soon to start prognosticating. Right, guys? This is what we do in sports. Let's figure out who's going to win the Super Bowl in August. But anyway, uh, (laughs) fun episode. Cole was awesome. Good to be with you guys. And uh, hey, we'll look forward to another week of Back to You coming up next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks, KT. Niner. (laughs) 